1: forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Hello, everyone. Bonjour. Hello. We're in Montreal. Montreal, Montreal ça va bien? I don't know what that means. merci. Et toi? What are you saying to me? Saying,
0: hi, how are you? Oh, I'm
1: good. I'm good. I'm in Canada. We had to wake up at 3 a.m. Yeah. To leave Santa Cruz at 3.30 to get on a 7 a.m. flight to fly six hours to arrive in Montreal. But guess what? We went right to the gym. We were working And now we're we eating were
0: t- cheesy popcorn, having a smorgasbord in the hotel room.
1: With a little bit of wine. With some wine.
0: Some, with some French wine. That's really good. It's a Pinot Noir. Yeah. Um, But I don't know a lot about French wine. So it's I picked them. it based on the name because I like the name. What's the name? Um... Well, it's La oh. Brienne Chanson. What's you're, your song?
1: You're good with the French accent. I studied French for six years. Oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. High school. You were in Wisconsin. Yeah, I get it. Uh, <laughs> it feels like we're in Europe out here. This is a really um, yeah. a wonderful treat. This is your first time in Montreal, right? This is my first time. I've only, in Canada, I've only been to Vancouver.
0: Yeah, I love, I love Montreal as, um, like, one of my favorite cities in all of... The country of Canada. Yeah. And so we're in Quebec, but French is the language here, and you actually are required to learn French if you decide to move to Quebec. Mm. It's part of, they make you pass a proficiency
1: test. I was telling you that in the plane. Yeah, they're trying to preserve the the history, the language. Mm -hmm. I like it. What are we going to talk about today? Today. So we have a couple of things on the agenda, folks. So we're going to wait to answer a sex question at the end. The sex question is about um, differing sex drives in a relationship. It's a newer relationship. Um, Someone who wrote this actually late March. They want to remain anonymous. Um, and they have a stronger sex drive than their partner. They're they're actually identifying as a female. So they want sex more than their partner. We'll talk about that later in ways to work with that. Uh, but today, our main feature of the podcast is going to be relationships, um, specifically more about attachment theory and the ways that we push or pull in relationships, uh, um, you know, put up walls or a little too much grasping or things that just get in the way of connection, as well as um which is 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 on on a similar note of, of long-term relationships and how this shows up in um people who have children finding time mm-hmm. to have sex so i guess that's a little different but this is about Especially young children. Yeah. This is just obstacles in the way of relationship and sex, right? Like all these topics here. And that's what, you know, attachment theory is and as well as having children gets challenging and then just having differing levels of desire. So we'll get into all that in a little bit. We want to read one of our reviews, though, because we have some great reviews on iTunes. April, tell everyone about iTunes and how much we love them. Ah, well, let's see. We have
0: 104 reviews right now Woo. when this podcast aired, which um, is great. And we thank every single one of those humans for writing us. But if you haven't and you're a listener, please go onto iTunes. What it does is just helps us get the message out. It improves our ratings so um, more folks can hear uh, the Shameless Sex podcast and what we are putting out there. And from the looks of it, we get five stars, everyone loves us, and that has really positive feedback. So if you haven't done so and you're listening, if you can take a moment out of your busy day and write us a review on iTunes, we will love you forever, and we will read them on the air from time to time. And if you want me to do it in an accent, I can. I will practice. But I can do that as well.
1: There hasn't been any recommendations or not recommendations, but requests for accents lately. Um, So I just want to... American. I'll do American. Okay. So April's going to do an American <laughs> accent. I liked your Minnesota accent. That was fun. Oh, yeah. Um, Do you want to read this one? Sure. All right. This is titled, Yes to Everything from Just That Blonde. Ooh. Yeah. So First of so all, great name. American. Just that blonde.
0: Mm-hmm. Or maybe French.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. We did that. We were Yeah.
0: That. Okay. Honest, positive, and informative. April and Amy are so funny, and they talk about such important things. I would have never thought I'd learn so much about myself listening to this, but I've recommended it to so many girlfriends. Boys, you could also stand to learn heaps from, from it. Thanks for talking about so many things and helping break down shame I didn't even know I had. You guys rock. Woohoo!
1: Yay! Thank you. Just that
0: blonde. April's
1: uh, wondering if this person's from Australia because they said heaps. Yes.
0: Heaps. They, that's a common thing they say in heaps in Australia.
1: Yeah. So I bet she is, but, or they are. I don't know if there was a she, but just that blonde, I think there's some. Yeah, we don't know. But thanks. Well, they said boys. Boys to men. Men and boys. Okay. All of you. Could. All of them. Yeah, we actually, so we were just looking at our stats. We have... Um, so it's around 60% female identified folks listening and around 40% male identified folks. So we do have, um, all kinds of genders listening to us and equally seeming like they're getting a lot out of it. So that feels
0: really good. And all different
1: sorts of sexual ide-
0: orientation and identification of preference. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's kind of exciting. Too. Diversity. It's not just, yeah, it's not just one genre of folks. It's all the peoples that like podcasts. Yeah. So if you are a listener and you think someone that you know would love to listen, tell them about us. Send them out. It's free. You know, it's a free tool. So it's
1: kind of awesome. Yeah. I was just talking to someone about podcasts. It always baffles me people who haven't caught on to podcasting yet. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And they're like, so is it free? How does it work? How do I get it?
0: I always say that to people when I um, say I have a podcast. I'm like, I'm not trying to make money off of you or anything. Yeah. It's a free tool. And uh, it's I, I've learned so much from podcasts and, and podcasting. But I've been listening to podcasts, uh, f- I, I guess, since 2010, maybe. Yeah. It's when I started listening to
1: podcasts. It's been a while. I never maybe thought I'd to... have one. Yeah. Now you do. It was never my goal. I was just like, oh, yeah, it's fun. And here we are. And here we are chip i you know we haven't done a sex sex life update let's do a quick one what's going on with your sex life mm-hmm. Tell us
0: tell us the, some details so and you know excuse my um my 3am no excuse my 3am like lack of enthusiasm for today yeah, I'm, I'm trying a, i'm feeling that too yeah it's just like been up since 3 definitely um i'm, I'm charged because i went to the gym to try to charge myself up with the energy but um you know it's just that's a, that's not a lot of sleep so I will put as much enthusiasm into this as possible because it is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. I had anal for the third time.
1: Yes. Love that.
0: Super cool. And remember when we talked with um uh with Willow Brown about that cervical orgasm? Oh yeah, no,
1: you just said that you already said this on the last on I did? podcast that you had a cervical orgasm. Yeah. Well you and you weren't sure. You said it was a really long one and yet yeah, it sounds like it was. Was
0: that on a podcast? I thought it was just talking to
1: you openly. I think it was on the podcast. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think I just listened to it on the last Anal 101. Oh, okay. It's the 3 a.m. brain, everyone. But anyways, just
0: continue. Just just elaborate. But that was great. That was like last week, um, right when I returned back from being gone for like, I don't know how long I was gone. Eight days. I was gone for eight days. So the sex was really magical, awesome, intense, passionate. We had a whole, you know, few, I felt like it was a few hours of, of romping around. That was really fun and a build up And then like this just really nice exchange. Um, and then after that, um, you know, it's been like mellow,
1: more like connective sex
0: in the bedroom, but I realized something that I'm not a morning sex person.
1: What about morning sex this is not your jam.
0: I'm just, my pussy is like not on
1: uh, so is, are you talking about like right when you wake up morning, like first thing you roll over and have sex? Well. Or is it like, you, say you got up and had coffee and like hung out for 20 minutes, would you be, would it be good then? It's, it's really not possible once for me in my
0: life because I usually, once I'm out of bed drinking my coffee and clothed, I'm like, you know what? I, I want to start my day.
1: yeah, you're, uh, you're kind of in work mode.
0: Right. So, uh, it was just like, I've realized it slowly because every time we've attempted to have sex lately in the morning, Um, it just hasn't worked out. Like, I can't come. He knows I'm not going to come. So then he won't come. And then we're just like, it's a draw. Let's just continue. TBD. Let's continue this later. Yeah. So it's been, and, and it's fine because I, it's like not about the destination. It's about the journey, but I have realized that because, um, he's like, your pussy's, you know, your pussy's obviously not ready. It's, it's waking up. I was like, it's totally not ready right now. Like Mm I'm not even my, my brain's not even slightly in the gutter about anything Yeah, about being sexual.
1: I'm the same way with sex. So, well, I, so, okay. And I think I've talked about this on a past podcast before, but, um, my preference would be if I wake up at like 7 or 8 a.m., my preference would be to have sex but anywhere between 11 a.m. or like 4 p.m. And somewhere in that window, but it's after I've already got, been up for a little bit and done a little bit of my work, like you know, pumped up maybe two hours of work, and then I can let go. I checked all my emails and I can drop mm-hmm. in. Um, and realistically, it would be ideal to have sex first thing in the morning, but I'm the same thing. My pussy is not awake. It's just my whole body is just like still trying to just wake up and it would be a great time to have sex because I could be super present because there isn't a lot going on yet, but my body's not there. So I totally agree. And then times, you can just be hard. I like night. I like nighttime sex. I like the me lights too. dimmed and me too. things like that. But sometimes one or me and my partner, one or both of us is arriving pretty tired. So it's not like always the most enthusiastic time to have sex.
0: I, I just, I, I don't know with my ex husband, he was a morning sex person all the time, but it was like, literally like roll, roll over. over. And a half the time I was half asleep and I would never really have an orgasm. It would just be like for him. And I would just be like, okay. But, um, nowadays I'm more present and I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I'm Not really into it right now. Let's like revisit this later. Or if we do start to have sex and I'll be like, I know I can't come. Even sometimes I'll use my vibrator to try to to try to orgasm and it still won't respond. Part in the morning, yeah, yeah.
1: Everything's sleeping. It's still waking I need, up.
0: I need, yeah, and I'm not a morning person as it is. So mm-hmm. plus yeah. my brain, I'm like, oh my god, what, what, what meetings do I have to to get to today? So it's like
1: not a sexy thing to think about when you wake up.
0: And that's what part meetings of- you have.
1: That's part of everything that we're going, not everything, but a lot of what we're going to talk about today is the negotiation around sex. And just because one person is a morning person doesn't mean that the other person has to be as well. You negotiate, you know, so say April and I are having sex, you're a morning sexer and I'm an evening sexer and I don't do well mornings and you don't do well at night, we become the... You know, late morning or early afternoon sex, people, and we figure out how to do that. Lunch break sex.
0: That's something that I want to share because that's super hot to me. The daytime sex, like what do they call it? Afternoon delight. Afternoon delight. That's what I've been calling. I'm like, you wanna come over for a little afternoon delight? Because. I'm not full from a big dinner and so I have more energy. I've been like laying out, working. I, I've accomplished some things. I'm not just waking up and I'm like come over and then, you know, let's get naked and like have daytime sex. And that's, that's like something that I enjoy. Don't do it enough right now but in the last summer it was it was on we did that often
1: it's a good break in the middle of the day you get know, you to yeah. go and focus on work and once you feel like you've accomplished some things or maybe gone to the gym or whatever your day looks like you know if you're raising children for other folks you know doing your children childhood thing and child rearing thing and then they, the kid goes to sleep at 12 or 1 for a little nap and you just have your afternoon delight. Take your
0: lunch break. Drive home from work. Hurry
1: up. Get here now. Hopefully you don't live in Austin, Texas where there's a bunch of traffic all the time. Oh, or LA Uh, or pretty much any urban city.
0: But that's a good, I think the art of negotiation or at least bringing some excitement into the monotony of long-term relationships, especially sometimes it can get monotonous. Like you, you get into a routine every day Mm -hmm. and it's hard to break free of that routine. Especially. I know that people with young kids, they, yeah, that is like because they're not getting any sleep yeah and so i feel i feel the pain of these well i feel like i have a young kid today because i feel so exhausted from my travels but
1: yeah
0: um my my um close my you know my other close friend that like is like my sister like you mm-hmm. she just had a baby and her and her husband have been struggling to find the time because they're so exhausted they sleep in separate rooms now
1: oh really because she sleeps with the baby
0: uh, well, because no, the baby sleeps in its own room, in uh, her own room, uh-huh. but um, she'll get up and nurse, and then so one of them won't have to always be uh, waking up the other because they're both light sleepers. Yeah. So they sleep in separate rooms for now. I mean, yeah. they're just like, it's temporary until the baby gets totally. sleep trained. Well, that makes sense. That's yeah, that really makes sense. But they, it's totally killed their sex life, I so think. Of course. They're like, what do we do? But they're they're definitely um, good about discussing options with each other. They communicate a lot and I, it's, it's impressive to me.
1: They're not just brushing it under the rug. No. Yeah. And
0: they're not ignoring it. They want to actively pursue, um, a healthy sex life. So it is a goal of theirs, but yeah, I'm like, Oh, how are you doing that? What are you doing? I'm not going to, you know, judge you. I just want to know what the options are for, for people in that situation. Cause I don't, I don't know that situation. I don't have kids. So yeah.
1: I think and that becomes the the thing with kids. We had someone that um responded to a survey. We have a survey on our website, if you go to shamelesssex.com. There's a survey on there that just kind of we're trying to figure out who our listeners are. We and we've already had three hundred and fifty people respond, which is great. So we have we know our demographic. Um and someone did respond with uh desiring information about that. What do you do when you've had kids and it's this this idea of the dead bottom in the bedroom, you know, the sexes is is virtually or non-existent at this point and it's in all the tools and tips not all of them but a lot of the tools and tips that we talk about don't apply because there's no privacy for sex and it really does become um, a planned thing Mm -hmm. You, you and this is what april and i suggest is that you plan one day a week where that's guaranteed time you get a babysitter you get someone to come and help and what did you say April there was like a website for that right
0: i mean there's a if, if there um, folks are living in an area where you don't have you feel like you don't have access to child care there's a website care dot com and I believe that it's pretty much n- nationally speaking so um, i don 't know about uh, abroad, so yeah. pardon me i don 't know that, but I know in the u s Uh, You can for sure get a sitter in 95 percent of um, areas, maybe not in the middle of Montana, but um, most of the areas that you live in, especially if there's, you know, 10,000 plus people, you will be able to find childcare. And it's um, people with background checks and things. I mean, I'm not like I don't know a lot about care dot com, but I know friends that use it often. And so and it's a it's six. They found nannies with it. They found sitters. Um, but there are options. It's like 2018. And so utilize the internet and then you can interview these people before you go and just like have them at your house. Um, and if for some reason you don't want to leave your house, you want to have date night in the house, then just, um, have a sitter take the th- take the kids to a play date or
1: something yeah or go you know go have have them come in the earlier part when it's still light out and go to the park for an hour or two or something like that but yeah. i mean the key point a movie, here take the kids to a movie yeah but I mean, if you have a you know an infant it's a different story but there's options there's always options and it's all about scheduling and finding you know this is the suggestion we have and you can tailor your own make your own rules but One day a week, have scheduled you know a three hour window where you two have you and your partner, maybe they have multiple partners. You have intimate time where it's just you during that, and maybe it's not going out and you know going to a movie with your partner. That might feel nice. It's pretty hard to connect during a movie because you can't really talk and you could look each other in the eyes the whole time. Why would you be at the movie? Yeah, yeah. You know, go do something where you can connect and then also have a space where you can be intimate, even if it's just a space to make out. And that is your guaranteed intimacy time and then the rest of the week is let's just see when we can fit it in but at least we have this guaranteed time well there's like that whole um i think i've talked about it before to the
0: the um it's like the balance between what you what you put into something is what you get back i mean with everything whether it's friendships um, you know, people wonder they get invited to parties and and they never go and they never go and then they wonder why the invites stop. I've heard that before. Like, oh, well, I, I used to get invited, but I never get invited to parties anymore. I'm like, well, yeah, me too. I'm like, uh, you disappeared. You disappeared, so no one's going to invite you. They just assumed you're not going to go. Well,
1: it's a waste of time. Well, I mean, I I yeah, I have that happen all the time with people. Like, yeah. Well, course, I'm not going to invite the person that never shows up. So
0: what's the point? So that, but that's a perfect example of you get in what you put in. So you're in this marriage or you're in a partnership and you have kids and you're exhausted or you're working to support your family and you don't make the time to honor a person that you perhaps made children with or let's say you don't have children, but you're in a relationship where you just are exhausted all the time because you're working. You're on flights to Montreal at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I could bang it out today. <laughs>
1: I don't think April and I are gonna be
0: banging out today. No. no. But you but if you are choosing continuously to put your partner in the back burner, it's going to result in um some there'll be issues with it because you you're gonna get back what you put in and I have been guilty of this in the past. Me too. Uh, where I was totally checked out. And I was just like, come on, why don't you understand? I just got done working. Like I've been so busy, you know, getting defensive, like super defensive talk. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was, I, it, it occurred to me at some, on some level that it was with me, but I kept kind of blaming him for not understanding. Mm-hmm. Um And this was in a previous relationship when I was working 60 hours a week and it was really hard for me. But then now I realize I need to make time for my partner and that's super important. And for my friends, because you get in what you put in just like the parenting stuff or work. You're super obsessed with work works going so well for me right now. And I'm barely home, but works awesome and I'm I'm making more money and I'm not able to see my family, but I'll see them in five years. There's a book that I've talked about called, um, How will you measure your life? I've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. So good about how to like balance your life and work and family um, and how important it is to to make sure you show up for your friends and family because time is is every of the essence Mm -hmm. for everyone. So um, taking a moment, planning with your partner, with yourself, of when you can make time for those things.
1: Yeah, and I think that as humans, um, I can speak. I, I, you know, it's funny. Um, I teach with Daniel Molnar, of, who does the exact dance Santa Cruz, and he pushes to, for everyone to speak with I statements as opposed to we and, you know, speaking for the common folks. So I'll speak with the I right now in this moment that um, I have a tendency to make excuses for things. You know, I'm just, I'm not in the mood right now because I'm not going to initiate sex right now because, you know, There's always a thing that I I can almost always find something Mm -hmm. Um, if I choose to. You know, I'm just a little tired and... Uh, or I, or I don't want to schedule sex in case something comes up or, um, I'm like you were saying, making my family or my relationship a priority. I'll do it later. I can't do it right now because there's some, there is something that we can come up with or that I can come up with. It's really hard to do these I statements. Geez. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I've talked about this before, but I want to emphasize that there's a distinction between a hard, no, no, I really just don't want to have sex. Versus a maybe, and the maybe could be I'm not really feeling it, but there's a slight chance that if we schedule this or start to initiate some sort of intimacy, kissing, making out, something romantic, whatever, you know, some massage or whatever that is, that I could get in the mood. You know, that's a window, and there's that's very different from a hard no. And April and I are big fans of. Um, respecting the hard. No, but if you have the window for a maybe, and you're having a hard time connecting with your partner sexually, it's time to start exploring those maybes with a little bit more of a push to, um, see what can happen there. Because unless, unless sexual connection isn't important to both of you, then that's fine. But if sexual connection is an important part of connection, and um, sometimes we can push those maybes and go, come into a really beautiful yes and create more connection time. But it takes a push. Mm-hmm. It really does it Takes some effort.
0: And maybe it's important for one person in the relationship, but not as much for the other. But that's again, you're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you're choosing to be with that person, you're obviously going to um, want to meet them in the middle on some level. So you can create a happy environment for both of you. I mean, in general, no. like if you didn't like me saying like all the time mm-hmm. and it bothered you to the core, I would work really hard to be like, OK, I'll stop doing right. the like
1: all or the time. Yeah, or just start paying more attention, Pay Pay more attention, bring more awareness. And that's kind of the not all you can do, but that's a great first step It's just some awareness. It isn't. It isn't like you're just going to completely change. Okay, tomorrow I promise I'll never say like again. Or tomorrow I promise I'll always initiate sex and I'll never stop X, Y, and Z. It's okay, I have more awareness. I'm going to work on that. That's it. And how many
0: times have we talked about and we'll continue to talk about because it's so important. Your partner is not going to bring you... The, the sexual charge energy that you want if you're you know not feeling sexually charged get into your body and start finding what turns you on for yourself for, and that yeah, could also with you. yeah and it could also turn on your partner and being like wow that's really fucking hot you in those that i don't know apron that kitchen
1: apron with nothing else on underneath it and me yeah just watch out when you're cooking the oil it splatters yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey
0: i rubbed cook i rubbed coconut oil all over my
1: I think this is a good opportunity I know he said we'd read the sex question at the end but this is exactly aligned with what we're talking about is negotiation and sex so I'm just going to go ahead and read it So the sex question was from someone on March 31st. This is a great example of how long it takes us to answer sex questions. Um, If you listened to our last episode, you know that we're now on Juicebox. And we can um, answer sex questions more directly within 24 hours there. And it's all over chat. It's not on the air. And if we can't answer it, then there's other folks out there. But we're not saying don't write us sex questions. We're going to get around to them. Uh, it's just that we're getting a lot these days which is a great sign you all are have great questions and you're listening we have more listeners we love it so this question is from someone who wants to remain anonymous i've been in a relationship for about eight months and we have fantastic sex and usually a lot of it there have been times over the past eight months where i want to have sex and he does not he will turn me down it almost always shatters my self-esteem as a background to my emotional state, I was in a marriage that failed due to my husband never wanting to have sex with me, as in maybe once a year. I feel like I'm getting triggered into fear that it's my marriage all over again. Yes, I have talked to him, uh, their new partner, about it. I have explained how it makes me feel, and I just want to correct that it doesn't make you feel, we like to say this, it doesn't make you feel that way, you feel a certain way, but it, um, your partner's not making you do anything. Um, anyways. Uh, he says I'm overreacting, some, and sometimes he just doesn't feel horny, and sometimes he has periods of time where he's not horny all the time. My questions are, is it normal for him to turn me down? If so, how often is normal? How can I feel better and not let it bother me so much when he does? Great questions, anonymous human who I don't know who you are, um, but I, I think most people who have been sexual beings have been there. Either on one side, the person that wants more sex and is getting rejected or the person who doesn't want to have sex. So this is a really great question. And the underlying question behind all questions that people are asking us is, am I, am I normal? Is this normal? Um, so my my first thing here, there's there's a couple parts here. There's the part of, is this normal? How do you go about this? And then there's the, the piece about your self-esteem and your own work on um, dealing with rejection. Yes. This is normal. All of this is normal. It is normal for you to want a lot of sex. It is normal for your partner to have sex drive sometimes and not other times. Completely normal. Completely healthy. Doesn't matter what the age is. Um, that's always shifting and changing. Some people just naturally have more sex drive than others. And um, and those people that have a lot of sex drive, that could change, you know, in a year or two. So. Um, you are normal. Your partner is normal. How often is normal? There is no answer to that. What? How often is normal is completely up to you. And it coincides with what April and I were saying before about negotiation. Um, so this is the example. You two sit down. It's great that you've already conveyed how you feel. Um, and I hope you did it lovingly and maybe with some um, empowered language. Not you make me feel this way, but... Um, when x when when uh, I when you t- tell me you don't want to have sex with me, I feel this. Mm-hmm. Um, so but the next piece would be, hey, um, can we sit down and negotiate what we want for our sex life? You know, how often do you want sex per week? Okay, so your partner says uh, twice a week. OK, well, I want sex seven days a week, it sounds like for you. And I think you did say somewhere in this in this email, and we cut this part out, but not out of shame or anything, but just as long that you sometimes want sex five times a day. And I know some listeners are like, damn, I wish I could date that person. <laughs> um, so say you're seven days a week, they're two days a week. How can we meet in the middle? OK, we're going to have sex three to four times a week. And what does sex even mean? Is it always penetrative sex? Can we open it up to mean other things? So it's there's not a lot of pressure for it to be penetrative sex three to four times a week. Can oral sex be part of that? Can making out and dry humping be part of that? Can just you know, using hands all in the genitals be part of that? And how can we open it up to meet in the middle, or as April calls, more of the um, the win-win, so everyone wins, as opposed to one person getting their way and not the other.
0: And also, I'm wondering with this listener, just based on some, what what I've been listening to Esther Perel stuff, I know we talk about her all the time because she's so awesome, but um, sometimes people also, and I'm guilty of this, confuse sex. So maybe sex five times a day, maybe sex five times a day is like how this person's um, considering it to be connecting or love, but there's other ways to connect as you were talking about. So maybe sort of identifying with what you're actually looking for with your partner. Maybe it isn't the physical intercourse per se, but it's something deeper than that. And that should be something that you kind of check in with yourself and, and look into because I know for me, that's, that's for me. I like love sex, but I realized that I was connecting sex with feeling like that's how I was being shown. I was loved by my partner.
1: I think that's, I'm so glad you said that. That's such a great point, especially for the part about self-esteem is to to look deeper as to what that means for you, I think that's really important. Is is it just that you're really really horny and you have this this car, carnal carnal craving? Carnal. Cardinal. Our brains are Cardinal. not working. Cardinal. Cardinal carnal yeah, craving. craving. Yeah. <laughs> this hunger. Our brains a three a.m. brain today. Um, is it coming from that place or is it yeah filling like some sort of void in in a hurt place or is it just, is it, is it the way that you feel connected? You know, we've talked about, there's, we did an episode on love languages. Did, yeah. So I would listen to that. And if your love language is touch specifically, sexual touch, then yeah, that would make sense that you uh, really desire or need that to feel connected. Um, but it would be worth evaluating. Are there other, like April said, are there other ways to feel connection?
0: And that could be, I don't know that, that just, that's part of the
1: The actual question
0: and, and that piece I thought probably could be connected to that in some level, and maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but
1: no, I think that's great. The important
0: thing is is that whatever um you're going through with your partner, of course it's normal and knowing yeah. that and feeling okay about it. and that's what bothers me about. Sex and relationships, because there's all this pressure a lot of times for how much are you having sex? Uh, how What's normal? What's not normal? Oh, my God, I've only had sex with my partner 10 times a year. And to be considered, and this is a stat, I know that you don't like stats, but this is like what the, um, specifically the U.S., again, um, statistically calls a sexless marriage um, to be having sex less than 10 times a year. Is sexless. Sexless. That's oh. called a sexless marriage. Huh. Um, so... That's so if like, you're once a month, you're all good. But that's kind of bullshit because what, then you if you have sex... Who decided that? Um, that's yeah, what that's, I'm saying. Yeah. Like, what? where are these statistics coming from? And then you've had sex 11 times a year, then you're great. Yeah. that makes no sense to me
1: or it could be you don't have sex for 11 months and you have one good month i would still call it kind of a sexless marriage for those other 11 months if, if you know if that was my life but right. i can't speak for someone else and that's the thing it's it's kind of like as we say
0: in the beginning this is creating your own rules mm. and what feels good to you maybe you and your partner are like we want to have sex once every six months and to us it's not sexless that's how we connect in other ways we read books together or mm. we read erotic novels together we 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 just
1: hug and kiss and make out. Yeah, that's the other thing. Long-term relationships, people stop making out and and add, you know adding that to the menu. Like Gabriel said, making your own rules. Make your own rules. So if but if you're truly
0: feeling to this anonymous listener that you're missing something because you and your partner aren't aren't um, able to make the time or the space or put in the energy to have sex as much as you want, then you need to evaluate and and negotiate and come up with the terms to kind of, it's all about, again, communicating, finding that proper time to communicate, not when you're all... Triggered and naked. Yeah. (laughs) And like, why the fuck
1: would you fuck me? You always, never, always, always, never do this. Yeah. 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 And, And that's, so when it comes down to it, if it's, if you decide you want to have sex seven days a week, they want to, you negotiate in the middle and they still can't meet your needs, like they're still only showing up for one to two days a week, and it's feeling really big for you, then you renegotiate. And if it still feels like they're kind of like, this is just how I am. I'm not willing to do it. Then you start to negotiate the relationship. Do we do an open relationship? Do we break up? Do I yeah. just give up this part of myself? Do I start cheating? You know, this these are all options. And, um, I'm not advocating for cheating and dishonesty. And that's always an option on the table. Like when you look at a relationship, we're choosing every day to be with this person or maybe multiple people. And we have a lot of options in how we can do that. We can do it in a monogamous relationship. We can do it in an honest relationship, whether it's monogamy or non-monogamy um, and, and, or we can leave, you know, there's a lot of options there on how we show up and, and um, that's just kind of but the next level if you're not getting your needs met.
0: That goes back to that. Like, you get in what you put in. Like yeah. if you are going to start living out of integrity and sort of doing things that don't feel good, like cheating and compartmentalizing that it's if you, if you really want to honor the, the partners or partner or whoever, then um, honesty is, will set you free. And mm-hmm. I'm coming from a place of, I did that. I compartmentalized, I cheated and it didn't feel good. It yeah. felt good at the time. It felt bad. So so bad it was good kind of thing. Like yeah. I shouldn't be doing that, but um you know, I go th- through that with my partner now because we're still new, we're growing and I'm away from home a lot and he has his stuff and and sometimes I think that he almost because I cheated, he and you know, he's got past wounding. That's a whole different story, mm-hmm. but um he has some trust things and I'm just like, look, I never want to relive those moments again of of going back and cheating on my partner because I don't want to hurt you. I didn't want to hurt him either, but I really made some serious life choices to get out of that space of my life. I don't want to go back. That's like I learned what I needed to learn from that and now I'm moving forward Mm -hmm. and I'd prefer and if you as well to him, if you are feeling um, a solid Like I need to be with other people. Let's talk about that. And it might hurt for a minute, but we can figure it out and I'll do the same for you. If I'm on the road, you know, I'm working. I'm not out there trying to like be on Tinder. I don't even have a Tinder account, but I'm not out there trying to like have a hookup. Like I've got way too much shit going on to compartmentalize that as well.
1: Yeah. Well, and the relate, the relationship setup is all contextual, right? Like, for you if in, in, and maybe in our culture and, you know, in American culture, perhaps for a lot of folks, it feels like the honesty, complete transparent honesty is the way. And in other cultures, um, sometimes the don't ask, don't tell thing is, yeah. is the norm, you know, and it just really depends. So again, you get to negotiate even within American culture, you get to negotiate what feels right for you. Um, and I think, Let's let's go to point two then about any April you kind of already commented on that of, of you know quite doing a deeper questioning. This person is asking how can I feel better and not let it bother me so much when he does reject me. Um, okay, first of all, reject I've said this on past podcasts, but rejection of sex or of a date or it's hard. Um, Yes. And it's not a rejection of you. It's a rejection of, um, an opportunity of to spend time with you. It's not an actual rejection of you necessarily, especially if it's dating and people don't really know you and they, you ask them on a date and they're like, no, thank you. Or they say, no, I'm not interested chances are they don't even know you enough to fully reject you. They're just rejecting the opportunity. I think Charlie Glickman kind of coined this. I remember him saying this. And same with sex. This person is choosing to be in a relationship with you. They're not breaking up with you. They're not leaving you. They're choosing to be in a relationship with you, but they're rejecting sex. And yes, because of your past trauma, your past wounding, um, it feels really harsh and really hard. And what's probably coming up for you is some heavy anxiety, this feeling of anxiousness, which is great transition to when we talk about attachment theory coming up soon. Um, but there are some ways to work with that. And one would be to go work with a sex and relationship coach or a therapist and go work out that old wounding, that old past. With, because that's trauma, to be in a marriage for however long you were in that marriage, to be constantly turned down and rejected um, sex one, one day a year or one time a year or something. That is in itself... A form of trauma and can be worked out with someone in a way that you can um, potentially, I don't want to say heal, but um, relive it, revisit it in a way that makes it so it's less painful because yes, this is actually a really issue between you and your partner and a big part of it is yours. And it's yours to find a way to, one, communicate clearly with your current partner to negotiate the relationship and sex. And then, three, do your own work so that when your partner doesn't want to have sex with you, you can handle it. And we'll talk about that in a second when we go into attachment theory. But um, all of those deserve space because your partner needs to be able to say no, just mm-hmm. like you do. Um, that that space has to be there. Otherwise, people will feel pressured. And like you said, you don't want them to. So. Very important. That
0: whole not enough feeling is what comes up, even yeah. if it's a rejection of even if it's a, not even a sexual rejection, which is, I think, one of the hardest. But even if it's a rejection at work about an idea and that happens um, often in life where, you know, people are not always on your page, but that's what makes that's what makes humans brilliant. We have all these different minds surrounding us that can you know, change our perspective or or influence our perspective but with sex it is hard it is a solid you feel rejected or if you're dating and someone doesn't call when they're gonna say they're they're gonna call or you don't hear from them again you thought you had a really great night that's hard because you take it personally like i am not enough i should just be a cat i do this to myself i should just be a cat lady all by myself i'm never gonna date date again and i do that when i get in my I don't need a man. My Yeah, yeah. my my downward spiral. <laughs> oh, yeah, which is which is totally avoidant. avoidant attachment. And that's what I do. A
1: whole, I fucking,
0: me against the world. I'm going to fucking take over the world by myself with my cats. I don't even have a cat. I don't even really like cats that much. Her, I like her, all animals. Her but
1: goldfish just died. She has no pets. It's true.
0: I just have some plants that are barely hanging out. Rest in peace, shawarma. Yeah, shawarma. Rest shwarma. in R.I.P. We flushed him. I watched him take his last breath. Bye, shawarma. He was dying. Like, he was, I mean, you saw him. Yeah, he was not floating. No, really. and finally my partner was like, "April, hey, you got to do something about this." I was like, "But I can't. I don't want to." And so then he helped. took a twee a tweezers, uh, not a tweezers, tongs, tongs, yeah. <laughs> tweezed that fish. <laughs> he tweezed it. No, he took it out, and I had this beautiful little box. He took him out, and then he's like, bah! "And then he was gone."
1: Shwarma, Sorry,
0: that's a depressing little bit, but it's like my only pet. So anyway. I will. I know that I'm good enough. Yeah. Moving, moving on from the pet conversation. But when I get into my space of my avoidant
1: attachment,
0: I totally do that, and I catch myself doing it, and I'm like. What's
1: wrong with me, you know? It's... Let's let's talk about the attachments then. So we did an episode on this. I don't remember the name of the episode, but it was with Philippe Lewis, and he did a great job talking about some attachment theory and the work that he does with folks. We're going to revisit it. Um, because it's important. It's really important, and this actually applies to everything that we've talked about here, um, and specifically with this person. I'm just making an assumption that they're going through some anxiousness, but if they're feeling like it's really hard when they get rejected, it sounds like anxiousness because they're not saying when they reject me, I want to break up with them. You know, they're That would be avoidant. It's like you reject me. Okay. Well then I'm leaving. Yeah. That's an avoidant thing. So attachment theory, I'll give you the cliff notes version. So, um, attachment theory suggests that there are a couple different ways that we attach in relationships. It's very much based on our childhood and how our parents did or did not show up for us. Um, so, And it it translates into adult relationships. So about 50% of the population we would call secure. A secure attachment means that when you were a child and you were crying, mom or dad or whoever's raising you probably came and took care of you most of the time. They showed up for your needs. Um, You didn't have to cry yourself to sleep or they weren't inconsistent. They usually like, oh, you know, baby needs help. Here we come to the baby to take care of baby. Then when you grew up, uh, the way to know if you're secure is that when things get hard with your partner, you're in an argument, or they're explaining, "Hey, I'm hurt about something," um, or things just get challenging. You don't feel this desire to either grab them, "Please don't leave me," or a desire to push them away and run and be like, "I need space from you," or "I need to break up with you." You can hold your ground and be like, "All right, let's talk about this." So that's secure. But then we're saying roughly 60 sorry, 50 percent of the population. If you are in your 30s and up and you're single person, you're you're like, where the fuck are all the secure people? Because they're all married in relationships. Not all of them, but that's what happens. A lot of them. Is
0: it 50% of,
1: of ish ish? Right, about, right. Like it's a you know how I feel about statistics. Right. And again, this is going to be based. I would on I don't think it'd be so much less though. To than, be honest, that more people will be avoiding it, and yeah, I, I think would, like less. I think like 30% in my
0: opinion, just well, out of people that I know, where I'm like every I honestly. And I'll just put this out there, and you might not like this, but I, this is a theory that I have. No yep. stats backing up. I don't know one single relationship in throughout parents, my friends, younger people, that's like a super awesome, healthy,
1: beautiful relationship. Everyone's got shit. Everyone's got Everyone stuff. Everyone has shit. But he, But so, yeah, I, I want to throw healthy out the window because I think healthy is – Having shit and dealing with it, yeah, and and approaching, but everyone is stuff. No one is just like the people that like, relationships should be easy. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you, well, you must not have any passion. You or, must be living in a cave under a rock or not talking about things. Yeah, you must have a lot of cats. I remember a relationship for <laughs> easy for me. It was my very first love, and it was because we didn't deal with stuff. And guess what happened? We stopped having sex mm-hmm. after a while. And yeah. I love this man to death to this day. Uh, he's one of my best friends, but um, when you don't. When you go, when you just push, st- brush stuff under the rug, it's like it kills passion. That's that's mm-hmm. my first relationship that I had. Same. Yeah, same thing. Yeah,
0: and it was like we never fight. We always get along. We are so good, and then we'd have a blowout. And then I was like, I don't want to ever sleep with you or anything. Like, why are we even together?
1: We're just homies. We're friends. Yeah, yeah. that'll kill relationships for yeah. sure. So okay. anyway, anyway, that so was we, a side note. So we got fifty percent ish uh, security. Now let me and let me add to what you just said, April. Is that So for me, I would be I'm secure. I I have a secure attachment style until I'm with someone who's avoidant, which we'll talk about in a second, and then I become a little bit anxious. So when we say fifty percent are secure, it can change. It doesn't mean they're always be secure. It doesn't mean that they're secure not secure with other tendencies and you know they can be secure with other things that they gravitate towards if someone triggers them. So the next style I'll talk about is avoidant, and this is about 25% of the population-ish. And again, this is a theory, so I'm not speaking absolute pure truth. It's a theory, and it's an estimation or approximation of um, of the amount of people the that would identify. The emancipation proclamation? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Declaration? Yes. Uh, exclamation. Yeah. Okay, so uh, avoidant. Avoidant would be when you were a little child and you were crying, your parents actually didn't show up for you um uh, or or not a lot you had to often cry yourself to sleep or Um, they were too busy for to take care of your needs mommy daddy I need this and they're like nah I'm not you know shut up you're just a kid or they weren't even there to take care of that when you grew up as an adult in a relationship what happens is when things get hard you have a little bit of one that which is what April has and I have a little bit of two but I'm not avoiding the self-sufficient thing I don't need anyone um, I can take care of myself it's not safe to let people in because they're going to let me down Mm -hmm. and so what you do when things get hard is that not always but the tendency to push i need to run i need to hide my partner is bringing up some heavy stuff or we're, we're both triggered i want i'm going to break up with them or i'm just i just need to leave the room you're a runner and um and that's just the default It doesn't mean you do that all the time and so for this so for this is you know april i believe you're secure with avoidant tendencies mm-hmm. you can hold your ground but there's sometimes this desire to run and get the fuck out of there and um, for me, I'm secure with anxious tendencies. So anxious, about twenty, the other twenty-five percent of the population would be anxious. And anxious would be if you were a kid, and I believe this is how I learned this. Um, and again, I'm this is a, just a theory now; it might not be a hundred percent right. That when you were a kid and you were crying. It was kind of inconsistent. Sometimes they showed up for you. Sometimes they didn't. You never knew. So what was easier was to just grab them when they showed up. You know, I'm crying. Mom's here. Oh, my God. I'm just going to hold on for dear life because I don't know if she's going to do this again. Um, it's not just moms. So in adult relationships what happens in adult relationships was when things get hard, you want to grab, please don't leave me. Don't leave like me obsessively. Like, uh-huh. and you feel a whole bunch of anxiousness to your body, yeah. which is a flood of hormones like cortisol, which feels like you are creeping and crawling inside. And like, you're going to die, like not die. If I'm this person left over. you, you would die. Yeah. It's, it's as if you can't, it's hard to breathe. It's hard to just even think about anything else. So for me, um, I'm secure when I'm dating secure people. When they're not pushing me away. But when I'm with someone who is a pusher, um, such as my partner that I've been with for four and a half years, and he is getting so much better at it all the time. Um, but if he pushes me away a little bit, shuts down and shuts me out, I get anxious. And so... That's why all the percentages, it's like you can say 50% are secure, and those secure people still can experience anxious and avoidant. But
0: then there's also the, I mean, it's a super small fraction of folks that have, like, had super traumatic There's the folks that have are, are,
1: their combination of this, like, I forgot the name. Detached. Yeah. The, yeah. Detached, detachment. And the, you style. Know, there's, there's actually, I think there's some theories that actually don't even include that one in okay. there. Because that's, it,
0: like, people that had some serious yeah. trauma and, like, things like, like you know, grew up in a crack house or something like really intense. Yeah,
1: really, really hot, really hard. And again, someone who... Extreme abuse or... And I will say that some people have some serious trauma can be any of those because Mm -hmm. it's... I mean, they're probably more likely to be anxious, avoidant or... Um, What was the one you just said? Detached as opposed to secure. And anyone can be anything based on the work that they've done. You know, if you had a hard childhood, but maybe when you were, you know, age one to four, but then grandma showed up really big for you when you were five and taught you that she was going to always show up for you when you needed something. You know that can heal that, and that's the thing about these attachment styles. And so for this this I don't know if this is a woman, this person in the sex question about the partner that doesn't want to have sex with them as much as they do. You're if you're going through anxiousness, there are tools that you can work with that. And I will say that anxiousness is a hard fucking gig. It's a well, hard one. Isn't
0: there? Um, there's um, uh, I think part of this whole attachment theory that a lot of folks that are anxious attract um, avoidance, avoidance yeah. and then vice versa. Exactly. And so it's, that's, like a,
1: it's a chase. It's like a push pull.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think a, a great example of my partner and I, because he's created super, super, um, secure attached, uh, people that he's raised. So meaning his daughters are all pretty, um, excellent with their attachment situations like they're secure people but in general i think that he's more avoid or i'm more avoidant and he's more anxious at times slash sometimes he's avoidant like he has some of those tendencies too but he has a lot of security because he grew up with like um at least one parent. At to least figure, one yeah, parent that showed up that really did show up.
1: And that's all you need, as long as you have right. one that shows up. But, well, certain, well, they, but those can,
0: tendencies come out, like in certain times where I'm like, whoa, dude. And it's and I don't know why that is like um that the avoidant attracts the anxious. And I think the avoidant needs the anxious on some level.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah, like I'll speak to my partner who is avoidant. He's avoidant and wants to push, but it's on his terms because he still wants to feel needed. So he likes when I need him, but he also it's like this it's this un it's this this deep operating system that's running the show, which is the wounded child. It's like the adult you says, "I want to be in relationship and connection," but the hurt you turns on when you're triggered and is like, "I'm going to run the show and I'm going to push you away, but deep down I also want to feel needed." It's kind of a mind fuck for everyone. So, we can learn tools to work with these things. If you are anxious, you find your tools when your anxiousness comes up. It doesn't mean you get to tell your partner, never make me feel anxious, because one, they're not making you feel anxious. And two, it really isn't their job to fix your childhood wounding, but they can work with you. And I'll talk about that in one second. On your side of it, so you're anxious. What can you do to work with your anxiousness? For me, my tools are reaching out to my friends, my family, you know, whomever I need so that I can feel supported. Um, or for me also, moving my body is helpful. Sitting in meditation is impossible when I'm feeling anxiousness. I need to move, I need to exercise, and I need to talk to the people that I love that can support me. Um, and... Then for the avoidant person, um, what they usually need is a little bit of space, right? April, you can maybe attest to that. If you're feeling kind of avoidant, it's helpful for you to take a little bit of time to just be on your own and breathe and think and just like move energy. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. It's it's hard for me because I always want instant gratification and a solution, but I am starting to realize that taking some time, even if it's like five minutes is really beneficial yeah. For my for my um sanity and, and me getting over whatever is happening.
1: Yeah. So the avoidant person, they feel like they need space. They do need space. And I'm not saying to go take a week of space because especially if you're with an anxious person, that can be really hurtful. So the tools and how a partner can show up for another partner, if you're avoidant and you're with either a secure person or anyone, a secure and avoidant or anxious, and you need space, say, hey, I need some space and either follow it with, Uh, I'm going to be gone for one hour and then I'll be back. Or or So to let them know I'm not leaving you forever because that's what it will feel like for especially an anxious person. Or if you don't know how long you need, say, I'm just feeling like I need some space. I still love you or I still care about you, but I just need a little bit of time. I'll return back when I'm ready. And that in itself can just be a game changer for that person. If you want to next level it as an avoidant, uh, when you start to feel like you need some space, next level communication would be, hey, I'm feeling triggered and like I need some space. I'm going to try to stay here and not leave and continue to talk with you and see what happens because I'm feeling my avoidance coming up but I know that that's my thing. So I'm going to just stay here and take some breaths and continue talking to you. I might still need space in a little bit but let's keep trying to talk and you might be able to work through some of your avoidance. The anxious person, um, for them, they have the tendency to cling. The, the tool here again is they won't want to take space, but it's almost like, a, it, because it can go into that codependent space, it's almost like a forced, I'm going to force myself to take some space to just like collect myself so I don't go into this clingy space of losing myself um, is a really helpful tool. Or if you're in an anxious space with someone to let someone know, the somatic feelings of it, if you're, say, you're with an avoidant partner is... I'm feeling my anxiousness come up, my coming up, my whole insides are feeling like really creepy, crawly, like I'm going crazy. I just want closeness. I understand you need space. Can we just sit here together in silence and not talk for a little bit and just see what happens and just really pace it out and then if they need space, call your friends, call your family, get your support system. And the secure people, you're easy. You're holding down, you're like, You need space? I'm good. I'll be right here. You're anxious? Cool. I'll hold you. You're secure, too? Awesome. Let's just be secure together. It's it's much easier. So these are kind of the tools for that person with this question here. Um, if you're feeling anxiousness, go do the work around it. Get your support system when it's hard. Um, I think they also said, and I cut this part in it, that they talked to some of their friends, and their friends said um, my, I've never had that happen. I've never been with a you know, a man that didn't want to have sex with me. So don't talk to those friends. Mm-mm. Talk to the friends that, um, can give you advice that is fully supportive, that, um, doesn't tell you that you're not normal. If he wants
0: to work with you and through, through this situation, talk with, talk with him and, and come up with a good solution. Sounds like friends saying that. I, I I never have been that kind of friend where I'm like, oh, that guy is so lame. You need Get to break up with him. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, okay, is are you too happy? Uh, what's happening?
1: Yeah, or is I've, tough, I, maybe stuff I've never dated someone that didn't want to have sex with me, but I've definitely heard of that happening before. Um, in... Oh, I have a really great friend from college that is in, in a marriage that
0: you know, they go years without having sex yeah and And she's in general there's other things on the table that makes their relationship beautiful and i fully support it and you know she's always like is it is it normal is this bad and i'm like babe that's you what is your decision if if you're happy in all other levels then maybe negotiate other terms but that's fine it's okay
1: you get you get to define what normal is for you yeah yeah, so the, the attachment styles are helpful, um, in knowing what your attachment style is because chances are you've either had a desire to push someone away, pull them in closer, or you're someone who, like, I can usually just stand my ground. It's really good to be aware of this so that we know when those things come up so, so that we don't just give in to the triggers and start, you know, reacting and doing things. And we can actually be aware of what's happening so that we can show up for our partner in a way that's not hurtful because it can be really hurtful to just shut down and push our partner away and be like, I'm leaving and I'm not going to tell you when I'm coming back. And they, I mean, that can be traumatizing. It can also be really scary if you're someone who's more anxious and you're like, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me, and you're clinging to this other person that really needs their own autonomy and space. So it's helpful for you to know it so that you can show up in relationships in a more powerful way, whether you're married or just in a long-term relationship or engaged or single, whatever. This is really helpful for everyone. I know it's been really helpful for me to know um, when this comes up and then to have the tools on how to deal with it when it happens. And It's all related to our upbringing. That's always a trip about sexuality and relationships. As soon as you pop out of the womb, you're getting fucked up. I, I was just listening to this podcast. I'm obsessed right now with um um a G- Gabor Mate. He does a lot of work around addiction and trauma. Um as is he well. he Hungarian. Um you Turk, Hungary? It's something like that. He's yeah. Gabor is like a very Hungarian. He man. might be Hungarian or he was. I mean, his. I think he was in the Holocaust. He was like well, um, oh, really? You just turned your mic off on me. No, oh, no, I thought I did for a second. He's turned her mic off. Um, he does a lot of work, really amazing work on, yeah, addiction and trauma, and um, and not just addiction, but also a lot of things that we call diseases, like you know, ADD, ADHD, schizophrenia, that we suggest that people are born with, and that they actually are stemming out of, uh, they stem out of trauma. And um, wait, why were I even talking about this? What were we just talking about before? I just totally lost my train of thought.
0: Oh, maybe because. He has theories that you're fucked up from, um when you
1: come out of the womb. And these oh yes, are... thank you. God, 3 a.m. brain. Yeah, I feel you. Oh, I'm going to leave it with this and then we're probably going to close the podcast. Um, so 3 a.m. brain. So what he says, what is that, um, the, uh, if, the, everything it starts from con, essentially from the conception. Like when you're a oh, fetus in oh, yeah. your in your in your mother's body, and they have a whole bunch of stress hormones that go through their body. What makes you think that it doesn't go into the fetus's body? That it doesn't travel through the placenta? And that if your mother's feeling a whole bunch of anxiousness, and you know that's a whole bunch of quarters on their body, where their whole body is freaking out, whether it's because they're scared of being pregnant or they're fighting with their partner or whatever it is. What makes you think that the child, the fetus in the in the belly, isn't also getting flooded with cortisol? And the more we get flooded with those, especially in those developmental phases, it's going to alter our um, the way we come into the world and um, and the work we have to do. So this stuff is just I mean it it can be from anywhere in our life. It can come from it's mostly from the developmental years that start from essentially conception um, and it can come from adulthood and it's just a matter of doing the work and finding tools and maybe we'll never fully heal this thing. You know, April will never fully not want to push someone away sometimes and I'll never fully not get anxious sometimes, but we'll gain tools so that it will get easier.
0: And that's all we can ask for. Maybe on the reverse of that folks that have children, consider these things, these attachment Ooh, yeah. situations and, uh, you know, show up for your child, but not so much where they're just going to be like overly compensating later in life and having like these anxious codependent tendencies because like, let's raise little wa- empowered warriors that are going to be awesome humans to have on the planet. I mean, that's something to consider.
1: Don't do the cry it out theory, everyone. We know that that doesn't work. <laughs> Don't just let them go and cry it out. I don't know. There's like a whole thing about that. I'm, uh, that people are still advocating for that shit? Yeah. Oh my God. That's You're going to create some little avoidant motherfuckers that, sorry motherfuckers is the wrong word, but people who are going to say. I have friends that use it still. They, 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 they swear by it. They always let them, when the kid is crying, they're just like, I'm just going to let it cry and not I think there's like a do- whole
0: system though. Like you go for 20 minutes, you go back in after 20 minutes, you sue them, then you go out. There's like yeah, a whole. Yeah, I'm not
1: saying, I'm not saying like not let them cry. You don't want to coddle someone but if you just always say they're going to cry themselves asleep and I'm not going to going to show up for them, that human's going to grow up and say, people don't show up for me. I can't trust them. There's I mean, but so I, I hear what you're saying. Right. There's
0: probably a balance. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, you yeah. don't
1: want to coddle. Of course. Right. That makes perfect sense. But
0: I think like that that would be a message when I when my friends have kids. I'm like, look balance balance do things that feel good and not overly helicoptery or what is helicoptery? i don't know if it's a word but (laughs) helicoptering maybe i don't know what you're referring like helicopter momming i don't know what that is where you're just like hovering over the kid all the time and like not letting them experience things like trying to put them in
1: a little truman show bubble so they don't have independence and autonomy Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah Yeah, it is it is balance. Totally. And April and I are not parenting professionals and no. we do both agree that everything is about balance. Yeah. Like it's the key to everything. I just wanted
0: to throw in that last thing because I think that we get a lot of parents that do listen to our, yeah. our podcast. And you know, there, there are things you can do for yourself, but there's also things that you can do for this child that you brought in with this children that you brought into the world. So yeah,
1: yeah, maybe read the attachment theory. Book. Oh, yeah, that book. Yeah. Yeah. So this book, April and I both read that we love. It's called Attached. Uh, it's by Amir. Is it Amir Levine? I don't know if I'm saying. I think so. We have it of your pleasure. Go to purepleasureshop.com. Look up attached. You can get 15% off with a coupon code. Shameless PP in all caps. It's a really easy read. It even has some workbook pages in there where you can figure out your attachment style and gives you some tips on how to work with it. Really, really helpful um, in ways to show up in relationships in a more powerful way, both for yourself and for partners.
0: And hopefully you all took something great from this podcast because there was great information and we have to wake up at. But Krakow down tomorrow for
1: some meetings. Yeah, we too. gotta close this down because you can, if you can't tell, our brains are shutting off. <laughs> I know. I feel like there's People great information, why. but who? Yeah, my brain just actually I started talking, forgot what it's going to say. I know. So I it's time you. to go now. I, had yeah. I had your back. Thanks,
0: Chip. Yep. Well, y'all, thank you for listening to us. We look forward to being with you every Tuesday because you rock and we love you. So tune in next Tuesday. We see you next Tuesday with all the thanks. Ciao for now.